I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, it's almost become a mantra for both political parties in American politics in recent years. Don't trust the polls. Uh, while it's tempting to write off polling, uh, and granted it has been wrong on a number of occasions over the past few election cycles, we want to look a little deeper today in terms of what are things pollsters could be doing or should be doing uh, to really get to the heart of these issues and to, one, help the Americans be honest about what they're sharing with pollsters uh, and then how that data all comes together. Uh, like I say, it's it's both sides of the aisle. This uh, fascinating piece popped up for me the other day, and uh, two campaign pollers uh, – wrote a piece about charting a future for the polling industry. So one Democratic pollster, one Republican pollster on what's wrong with contemporary public opinion polling and how it can be fixed. Joining us is Trevor Smith. He's a Ph.D. and is the chief research officer of WPA Intelligence, a Republican polling firm. Trevor, thanks for joining us. Boy, thank you so much for having me. I'm a little under the weather, so sorry if my voice cracked a little bit. All right. We we appreciate you playing injured today on a Friday. <laughs> we know it's easier to mail it in, so we, we appreciate you stepping up for us. Well, as as you sat down with your uh, counterpart from across the aisle, uh, what are some of the broad things uh, that just jumped out at you immediately in terms of why are we where we are with polling, and then how do we start to, to make some tweaks? Yeah, so I think um, there's a big difference between what everybody sees and what campaigns see. A uh, big difference between what Bradley and I do is we do a lot of uh, campaign polling. And if, if we don't get our stuff right, then we, you know, we our reputation is really killed and it really makes it hard for us to keep getting work. The media pollsters, I think, you know, they have an advantage because they put out stuff that's wrong and then they, they try to fix it and then they try to fix it again and it's still wrong. Um, so I think that's a big difference between what everybody sees publicly and then what campaign pollsters do. Um, but what I, what I think is the biggest problem in polling, public polling, and you know, this is something that in media polling, and this is something that we run into is sampling frame stuff. So I was really, I was really happy that we put this as the first uh, problem in the article with sample framing. And I think the literary digest poll is a really good example. Um, back then, you know, they talked to 10 million people or they, they polled 10 million people. They got, 2.7 million responses, and they were just completely wrong. The results were completely backwards, and I think we're kind of seeing something similar now. Um, the reason that they got it wrong is because they were they were polling people that were in clubs or had phones, and back in 1936, how many people were in clubs and had phones? 
So now we're kind of running into the same problem where there's a lot of different ways to contact people. And if the framing is off, then you're going to you're going to end up with um, you're going to end up with undersampled voters. So that a lot of people talk about the, the the undersampled Trump voter in 2016 and a little bit in 2020, um, and they 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 claim that it's waiting to education was a fix. And, you know, you do, you do need to control your education um, stratifications prior to going to the field and after you get out. But um, making sure that you're hitting people where they are and making sure that you're not having a frame that only includes one type of person. Like there was a poll that just came out yesterday, and I really have a lot of respect for the guy who runs the poll. So I'm not going to name names. But he did an all-online panel of a 1,000 adults, and he screened down to um, – to likely voters, and and they, they had uh, Biden up pretty big against Trump, and um, and even DeSantis, and and that's fine. You know, we can put stuff out like there out there like that. But it, an all online panel of adults screening down, it, that's that's a pretty big framing issue because what yeah. you're excluding there, you're excluding um, you, you don't have you're not doing it from a from a panel from a panel of registered voters, which creates a problem. And then you're then then you're screening you're screening from adults down to likely voters or whatever they did. Um, so I think that just creates a big problem. And then you're excluding a big portion of the electorate that you can't reach online. And there's there's still a lot of people that you can't reach online. So I just I have a and then the media runs with these numbers and they're like yeah yeah um, he's a you know respected pollster but then they're just completely wrong and there's there's nobody in the country right now that would tell you that things are going well for Democrats. Yeah. Yes, yeah, that's so interesting, uh, and I and I love the fact that you've started with this idea of just the framing of it matters. Because if you get the framing wrong, there's no way you're possibly going to get to the the right answers in the end. Uh, and I encourage everyone uh, to to really check out uh, check out the 1936 Literary Digest poll uh, as uh, as Trevor just described it. It's so interesting. I mean, 10 million uh, down to 2.7 million. And again, this was a, a a group that had it all figured out. Uh, they, they they predicted that Kansas Governor Alf Landon was going to win over sitting President Roosevelt. Uh, but of course, oh, win by like twenty five points too. <laughs> yeah, so it, I mean, the flip of that is so significant. Uh, but a lot of those same challenges, those framing challenges, exist today. Again, going from landlines and uh, who's online versus who's on a cell phone, and how do you get to those, and then how do you go beyond adults to registered voters to likely voters. Those are all interesting framing components. Another thing that you talk about, Trevor, in your piece is is just the polling American adults versus just the likely voters. Uh, how do we how do we adjust there? Yeah, so um, that, it was kind of what we talked about before, but they, you screen down from adults to registered voters to likely voters, and that's all fine and good, and it's how we've been doing it for a long time. But the problem is you create human error in there. Um, you don't know your behavior tomorrow. I don't know my behavior tomorrow. Most people don't know if they're registered to vote. A lot of people don't know if they're registered to vote. And they certainly don't know if they're going to vote six, seven months from now. So doing that creates just a lot of human error. And it's yeah. not like intentional. Um, it just creates a lot of human error because we don't know our behavior tomorrow, or let alone six months from now. Yeah, interesting. I want to jump into one of the other points that you made that I think is uh, one that is seems to be the hardest for everyone to sort out. Uh, and that is this idea of socially desirable answers. Tell us what that means and why that's such a problem in your polling. I figured you were going to go there. Um, <laughs> so th- this is this is one of Bradley's things. Um, I think that if you get the, f- I think that I think there is something to it. So that in the nineteen nineties, 
Oh, gosh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, There's three great studies done, just phenomenal studies to understand uh, African-Americans. And they're just they're just really, really good studies. Um, And one thing that they learned is that if a white person was calling them, then they weren't going to get truthful responses. Um, So it's kind of the same thing um, with the social desirable answers. Um, I'm I'm a big believer that the frame is more important. And I do I do think that there's issues like like I said, with those great studies from the 90s. But um, I do think there's issues with social desirable answers, but I think that the framing is far more important. But I do think that there's a component there that needs to be that needs to be figured out. Yeah, fascinating stuff. We're going to have you back as you continue to to roll that out in terms of what happens, what comes next, uh, how we adjust that so we have confidence in that. I love the fact that you've really pointed out today the difference between just some of that media polling versus an actual campaign polling, uh, where your reputation is on the line, your business is on the line. Uh, and how those tend to be a little better, a little more accurate uh, than some of those big sweeping generalities, maybe poorly framed pieces uh, that we see out of a lot of the media outlets. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't mind, one of the problems is that people always go after campaign pollsters when we release stuff. So, like they're trying to show they're trying to show good numbers. Well, yeah, we're only going to show the good numbers when it's beneficial to our clients. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Oh, good stuff. Well, hey, uh, Trevor, we appreciate you playing Hurt today and joining us on the air. Trevor Smith, he's a PhD and is the chief research officer of WPA Intelligence, great polling firm. Uh, love the fact that you've tag teamed with one of your Democratic pollster friends uh, to really look at this issue. I think it's an important one for us. It clearly impacts our elections. It looks it impacts how we view a lot of the critical issues of the day. Trevor, thanks again for joining us today. Thank you, sir. All right, we'll step aside for one last commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to round it out. We're about a week away from the Olympics in Beijing. Should we engage? Should we disengage? How do we enjoy it? How do we support our Olympic athletes? And what are the lessons we all ought to be thinking about rolling into the Olympics? Stay with us. More to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.